Good morning, I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our link to cyber space through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Good morning, everybody. You got Earl Stewart here, live. I'm in living color on Facebook, and uh, Twitter, and Periscope, and YouTube, and all that kind of high-tech stuff been doing this show for a long, long time, and we're here to try to educate and entertain you. Uh, we'd love to amuse you if we can. We're just, we have a lot of fun doing the show, and uh, live radio, it just gets my adrenaline going. Uh, I hope it does yours, too. I mean, you're not in the studio like we are, but it isn't scary. It's just, I don't know, stimulating is the word, and uh whether I feel good or bad, I always feel better when I come in and do this show. And I know the same is true with Rick Kearney, Nancy Stewart, Stu Stewart, uh, and uh, Jonathan. We all we all uh, love doing this. It's uh, not boring. I mean, uh, uh, we, we we thrive on you and your comments. We I'm going to try not to run on and on and on in my live portion of the introduction. You've already had a taped portion. Uh, I just want to say this, that uh, your calls to the show via YouTube or Twitter or uh, uh, you know, the old-fashioned telephone, 877-960-9960. 877-960-9960. We will pri- prioritize those calls because We've got a limited number of lines coming into the station. Uh, the show has gotten really popular. I mean, we're really uh, thrilled with the fact that we're getting uh, all over the country. We're getting calls. Uh, I say the world, not really. We had a call from Bali. I keep talking about that. But in reality, we pretty well cover the United States and Canada. And uh, we have a lot of people call the show. Uh, don't think that you can't get through. Uh, we're going to prioritize your call now. A lot of people don't like to call, and Nancy and I were talking about that on the car driving to the studio. we got to remember that most folks out there don't call. I mean, I think the percentage, you you radio experts out there, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think less than 10%, maybe less than 5%, maybe 1%. It's a teeny-weeny percent of people call talk shows. There just wouldn't be enough room uh, to, uh, do, you know, to do a show otherwise. So... We respect that, too. And if you want to text us at 772-497-6530, that's great. Text us at 772-497-6530. We do monitor the telephone lines very carefully. Nancy Stewart is looking at her computer right now. And if you're on the line, we'll take your call. We, we jump ahead to the real old-fashioned telephone calls because of our limited number of lines. So remember that. 877-960-9960. If you listen to the show 
for the whole two hours. I mean, a few, I think, may. Most people tune in and out. You know, we got a busy life. We got a busy life. You're probably on the uh, you're listening for 15, 20 minutes, and then you're off. Uh, and you might not come in until the second hour. We're on from 8 to 10 Eastern Standard Time. So, with all that said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit yakking. I'm going to hope that you do call. And uh, Rick Kearney, I'm going to introduce him first. Uh, you know, the car dealerships call their, their service departments the back end. I don't think that's very flattering. Uh, I think it may, literally, it just means toward the rear of the dealership. Yeah. But I, back in, I wouldn't know. You know, you know I, but that's what, and they're, they're, they're considered second class. Uh, the manufacturers that build these cars, they want to sell them. Uh, so they give the glory to the guys in the front end, and that's the salespeople that sell the new cars. But I'll tell you what, the heart and soul of a car dealership, in fact, the main profit center of a car dealership, and the main thing that you should be worried about is the back end, the service department. Rick Kearney is a certified diagnostic ma master technician that can uh, just about answer any question about any vehicle you want. Uh, and Rick, uh, give us a quick uh, uh, 30 second, 45 second summary of uh, when you started in the business and uh, what, where you are, where you were then and where you are today in terms of uh, cars and knowledge. Yeah, I spent about uh, two years going to North Tech, a uh, public school for auto mechanics, uh, Palm Beach County Palm School. Palm yeah. Beach County, okay. And got a job working for you as an oil changer. How long ago was that? And that was 1995. Okay, I told you you'd been around a long time. <laughs> I started right at the bottom level. I was uh, Back in the 1900s. Yeah. Oil changing and rotating tires and doing the basics, and, and I learned every bit of it from the ground up. And, yeah. and even been to every school that Toyota has. And even before that, weren't you weren't you tinkering with cars when you were a kid? I mean, oh, I I was building go karts when I was six years old. I mean, it was yeah yeah. I've just always kind of been mechanically minded and always wondered how things worked and if I could make them work better. Yeah. Uh, when you uh, when you a typical 30-day work cycle, how often are you online? How often are you being educated? How often does Toyota, because we're a Toyota dealership, uh, come to you and say, uh, this is the new way to do this. This is a, a product we haven't had before. I mean, you know, the biggest thing probably was a hybrid. You suddenly, you know, Rick Kearney was probably the first uh, hybrid technician one of the first in South Florida. He certainly was, uh, Toyota was first in hybrids, so the fact that you were our first uh, Prius uh, expert means that you started out on the whole hybrid technology. I was I was one of the first, not the first, but one yeah. of the first. But, yeah. You know, Honda actually had their insight in the U.S. about eight months to a year before Toyota got the Prius here. Uh-huh, that's right. But Prius was actually running in Japan in 97, and Honda, of course, was back then, they... They were testing them in Japan yeah. many years ago. So, you know, a hybrid was just kind of uh, a stepping stone to try to get people to understand you don't need a gasoline internal combustion engine yeah. on every car. You can, you can, there are other ways to power these cars and other ways to make it work. But, yeah. you know, we've had this huge battle against big oil 
and figuring out how we're going to transition into the future. You know, yeah. you, you can't yeah. run these ice engines forever. Yeah. It, we have to find a new future, and yeah. this was one of the ways to help transition. Well, the big point is, from the time you got a North Tech and started on the Lubrec, there have been huge changes, and you got to stay oh. on top of it. I mean. Uh, what worries me uh, about going to a doctor these days is <coughs> if he graduated from med school uh, 40 years ago and uh, he hasn't stayed on top of what he's doing, he might as well not be a doctor. You started as a mechanic 25 years ago, and if you hadn't stayed on top of it, you'd be useless today. I mean, if, if, you, if you went into a coma 25 years ago <laughs> after you started and woke up today and they said, fix this car, and you open the hood, you say, "What the hell? What? What is I'd, that?" I'd be lost. I mean, <laughs> the, the electronics on them now. Yeah. And well, imagine back then, you had maybe one or two little computer-controlled devices in the car, yeah. and one main computer that helped control the engine. Yeah. Now there are the whole thing's on the average fifty <laughs> to sixty computers, and they don't even have wires that run for everything in it because they simply they actually use what's called communication wires. And the computers will all talk back and forth over these cables. Crazy. So Crazy. I mean, it's it's incredible. Crazy. We've now got internet in the cars. Uh, you've got Bluetooth, CarPlay. You know, everything is all about electronics. Yeah. Uh, the cars can actually receive some computer updates. They're, yeah. they're working on this to where times when you know a mechanic would say do a tune-up on your car, Yeah. well now the computers are doing that. But if they need to change the programming in that computer, within the next few years, they're gonna be able to simply send it over the internet, yeah. right to your car, yeah. and your car's computer will update. So the point is, while you're going if you road. have a question about a car, this man sitting to my right can answer it. Maintaining, repairing, anything to do with your car, uh, you can save a lot of money. I mean, you might get a diagnosis uh, on the air right now that save you a couple hundred bucks mm -hmm. and Rick would love to talk to you He's monitoring our YouTube channel uh, Earl on cars.com. Uh, I'm sorry Earl, YouTube is youtube.com forward slash Earl on cars YouTube.com forward slash Earl on cars and he's right there monitoring it uh, he, You can text him through 772-497-6530 or just call at 877-960-9960, anything, any questions you have about a vehicle on the road today, uh, Rick can answer. And uh, Nancy Stewart sitting on my left here, uh, you know her, she's a co-founder of the show from many, many years ago, and uh, Nancy's uh, uh, part of the team, uh, uh, this, her specialty is the fact that she is catering and focusing on you ladies out there in the audience, our female audience. And she's built that audience up remarkably uh, over the past years. And uh, we have some uh, excellent callers, texters, and uh, participants in the show. When we started out uh, many years ago, uh, we had virtually no female callers. So uh, there's a different perspective the way women look at life and look at cars and look at purchasing and maintaining. And that's why Nancy has been uh, such an important part of this show. Uh, Nancy, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do and thank what you're you. doing for the ladies. Yeah, thank you for the introduction. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, my qualifications, my education is uh, just uh, living my life and uh, knowing as I raised three children uh, that knowledge was power. 
and that uh, uh, all of us have a voice in purchasing, leasing, uh, anything we have to do uh, with uh, your car, uh, getting it fixed. Uh, so the, the, list, the list is endless. Uh, so uh, good morning to everyone. Uh, thank you for tuning in. You are, a, well, a very, very important part of the show. Uh, you educate us uh, week in, week out. And uh, for the ladies, I have $50 for the first two new lady callers, $50. Uh, ladies, how was your car purchasing uh, servicing? Uh, how was your experience? Uh, we'd love for you to share it with us, and you can win $50. Win-win uh, situation, 877-960-9960. Or uh, for everyone else, you can text us at 772-497-6530. Thanks, Earl. Uh, I don't have anything in front of me, the number anyway. Okay. We have signs around the, around the studio, remember? That's how I it's do hard it. to see when you're looking down. And I memorize, I have that memorized every week, but uh, this morning I'm working, I'm, uh, I've been rewired. Okay. Can I tell them a secret? We're both a little flustered because we got locked out of the studio and we were banging on the door and we finally yeah. called Rick and tried to let John. us in, but they changed the code on the door. I don't, I don't use it, <laughs> but I have it. I don't use it. <laughs> anyway, I just had a little uh, setback right there. Okay, uh, we are going to uh, go straight to the phones before we go to Stu. And uh, uh, Stu is a, uh, a Handsome guy. fantastic, talented part of the show. Uh, I can't say enough. Uh, the mystery shopping report, uh, <laughs> it's just amazing. and gets more amazing every single week. Uh, through his knowledge and uh, his applying this elegant way of putting the mystery shopping together. Uh, it, uh, it, everyone looks forward to it. It's a big part of our show. So that's Mystery Shop is uh, from Mall Next Fort. As I said, we're going to go straight to the phones and we're going to talk to Kevin, who's been holding in Lake Worth. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you today? Great. So I listen to your show occasionally, and um, I'd be interested to get your take on um, extended car warranties. Um, I'm a fleet manager for a city down here in Del in uh, Delray, and um, I purchase extended warranties for most of the new vehicles that we buy. But what perturbs me is that um, if I buy a, a five-year, seventy-five thousand mile extended warranty. Most of the things covered under that warranty are really covered under the base warranty. So really, I'm only getting a couple of years that I'm paying for. What, what, what's your take on that? Well, Kevin, um, that's one of the main reasons. Yeah, what's that? That's one of the main reasons it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, there's a lot of reasons that you have to be very careful before you lay out a lot of money for an extended warranty. Uh, one reason, a nice pleasant reason is cars are really much more reliable than they've ever been and they also require far less maintenance and if you bought the right car if you if you if you were careful and got a good a highly reliable safe car uh, you don't need an extended warranty I mean these cars uh, that used to start to fall apart at 50,000 miles well now we'll make it to, to half a million miles I mean uh, uh, I, I, I stretched out there a little bit but uh, three or four hundred thousand miles is is not 
too many miles on a well-maintained car. Maintenance is the key, but the maintenance requirements are much less than ever before. Uh, so I have a rule of thumb, Kevin. Uh, if you if you bought a good car uh, and you're taking care of it, don't buy the extended warranty. Uh, to those folks that feel they need the extended warranty, I, you see, there's there's two ways to look at it. There's a practical way and there's a feel-good way. Uh, people, Comfort. yeah, people feel good about insurance. Uh, I think we all buy too much insurance. I do. Uh, I bet everybody in this room has got too much insurance. Uh, if you watch television or you you look online and you're looking at the advertisements, they'll tell you you don't have enough insurance. Well, you know that's called selling, and that's the reason the insurance company is the insurance companies are making a ton of, uh, of money. But uh, if you want to give me a specific example, Kevin, say, look, I've got this kind of a car, and uh, and this is what I'm worried about. I could give you some advice on that, but otherwise, save your money. Don't spend the money on that extended warranty. Yeah, so the word the word extended in itself implies that it would start after the factory warranty expired, but it doesn't work that way. It overlaps. Typically, typically in year four or five, say we have a transmission failure or an air conditioning component failure, those are the really expensive repairs, and, and typically they fail right after the extended warranty expires. It's been my experience. Well, Kevin, they don't, they don't fail on a good car. I mean, they. Uh, I, I know it seems that way, and I've... It's all statistics. In other words, um, if there might be a 1% failure rate in the first three years, and then it maybe goes up and it increases over, over time. And the actuaries know, you know at that point it's most optimal to, uh, uh, to make the manufacturer warranties. But you're right, the extended warranties overlap with them. So if somebody has a, offers a seven-year warranty and, and the car has a, a, a five-year uh, or a three-year warranty, you really have a, you're buying a four-year extended warranty. So it just sounds better. It's the way it's the way it's presented, but you you picked up on that right away. So, and like Earl said, it has to do with the car. I mean, if you're buying maybe an Aston Martin or uh, uh, something that's known for high, really expensive repairs, and and you don't feel like you could be self-insured to do it, that well, the the price of that warranty is going to be really high too. But that that could be something that gives someone comfort or just a sense of security. Um, but you know, for a Toyota and a Honda. You know, unless you plan on driving it for the rest of your life for another 50 years, it's probably not the, the you know. The if you're buying a warranty from the manufacturer, you're not going to get hosed on the price that bad, uh, but they're going to make a nice profit on you. They make a lot of money on extended warranties. And if you're buying it from the dealer, you'd be real careful because sometimes the dealers own their own warranty companies and they can charge anything they want. Uh, uh, you are going to get probably hosed when you buy a dealer's warranty. And, uh, there are independent warranty companies out there that are even worse than dealers, if that's possible. They're advertising them all the time now and make it sound like uh, it's a all-inclusive bumper-to-bumper warranty, and they are not. Most of the things you buy are basically a powertrain warranty, which is patently worthless. And uh, I just, you know, you can, you can make an intelligent purchase on a warranty, but unless you are unlucky you're not going to need it and that's but if it gives you peace of mind i always say read the warranty find out what it includes what it does not include compare the prices with other extended warranties and if it gives you peace of mind and you know how much you're paying go ahead and buy it 
I just don't think you need it. And Kevin, I'd like to add something to that. Uh, my own hands-on experience uh, whenever I would go out and purchase a, a car, and most of the time I did, um, I want to know what doesn't the warranty cover. That was most important to me as a single mom. I had to know what the warranty didn't cover. And then after that, I made my decision as to whether I was going to purchase a warranty uh, after the extended warranty uh, had expired. So I just thought I'd share that with you. It was uh, imperative that uh, I get that information, uh, like I said, being a single mom. Okay, uh, Kevin, I'm not sure if you're still with us or not. Uh, but uh, if you have hung up, we want to thank you for the phone call. We enjoyed speaking to you, and uh, we hope that uh, we'll encourage other listeners to give us a call if you have any questions uh, on uh, warranties, if you have any uh, questions on uh, whether you spent enough time uh, just uh, investigating whether you needed a lease, purchase, anything at all. And, gosh, maintenance, maintenance, maintenance. Sometimes it's more expensive to keep your car on the road than it is to purchase it so those are factors that you have to take into consideration now back to the recovering car dealer yeah we got around everybody except Stu, and yeah. Stu is our cyber uh, investigator on the mystery shopping reports and charge of that and part of the dealership he's a general manager of our dealership uh he is more of a hands-on what's happening day type of guy so uh, uh do a do a little synopsis like uh, like Rick did, still about your your career. My career in the automotive business. Yeah, it just started only only about twenty five years ago. Uh -huh. um, no, I didn't have any interest. The uh, that's the the fascinating thing about my uh, career trajectory is um, only at one point in my life did I want to be a car dealer, and I think I was in kindergarten because I still remember. <laughs> At uh, We Wisdom Montessori School in, on Flagler Drive in West Palm Beach. It must have been 1972 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. We drew a picture of what we saw ourselves as when we grew up. And the old Stuart Pontiac building on Dixie Highway was made of brick. And uh, so I, I remember drawing a picture of a brick wall and then me standing in front of it with a blue suit and a really, really wide tie because <laughs> it was 1972. And... Uh, that was it and after that I just I got I was a uh, I was interested in art and uh, so I did that my whole life I went to college got a degree in anthropology uh, and uh, then continued art and uh, it wasn't until 1998 that I actually joined 30 years after you joined the car business came to work for you there and started off in sales and uh, just kind of grew up from there but it's it's been 20 Three years, not 25 years, 23 years. And uh, Stu, I was uh, going down memory lane. Uh, I have to think back as to when I was sitting and I knew that you were um, in Cher's home and you were doing your creating because of the artistic talent that yeah, you I, were I, I got born you guys, with. I got you autographs from Cher. And <laughs> Versace and all of this, so your credentials are oh, many. Yeah, yeah. I had a nice little resume there for a while. It's yeah. just a lot of hard work, climbing up and down ladders, building scaffolding. Backbreaking. Yeah, it's much, the, our car okay, is physically <laughs> easier. <Yeah>. <laughs> I digress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. But that's it, yeah. They, uh, you know, uh, the Mystery Shopping Report, I think, is your strongest uh, uh, focus uh, these days. And uh, you, uh, you, are, you are guiding agent uh, lightning around the United States. And... Uh, 
the last few reports have, have, have really been interesting, and uh, she's an amazing shopper. I, I have to say, I, you know, I used to think uh, Agent X was one of our original shoppers, but I think Agent Lightning is. Uh, uh, she surpassed uh, our expectations, and yeah. and uh, your reports are excellent. And uh, I learn things from reports. I, I say this every week, um, but it's true this week. Boy, was I pleased or surprised or happy! Or you got a good report, didn't yeah. I? I mean, yeah, it's um, a good mystery shopper is um, is hard. The definition for me is if it makes my life easier, <laughs> because I remember when the beginning we started doing these things. Every mystery shopping report was this huge, like was a project. I remember just stressing out about it. I'm like, I'm gonna find someone to go into a car dealership and this yeah. whole thing and then... Uh, yeah, if you send somebody in there that isn't comfortable and doesn't have the ability, you, you really botch it. And yeah. we had some strange messy shoppers at the beginning and they, you know, they would get oh, busted. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and then also the communication's really important. So um, you might have someone that has some moxie, you know, goes into a dealership and, and does a good job, you know, on site. Uh, but doesn't have a good um, good writing skills or good communication skills to describe what happened. That's the reason we always wanted to to videotape one, but you know the laws laws prevent us from doing that for having from having hidden cameras. But um, Moxie's good. Moxie is good, <laughs> but but being able to describe to me what happened is good. And Agent Lightning does it really well. I, I get her things, and it's, it's uh, yeah, she's she's a dream to work with. That's fantastic. Which was um, the shopper like, that we used to no. have the uh, the GoPro? I know oh, that was uh, was a shopper. We put the GoPro on her son. Uh -huh. She she had a six year old, like really rambunctious uh, kid, and we put the um, GoPro on the kid's head. Which was the original video uh, yeah. thing that they don't see around anymore. Oh no, they're they're big now. They're they? Big time in sports. Yeah, oh. everybody uses their phone. But uh, they we just came out with the GoPro Ten. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. did they? They're, they're really cool. Show. Yeah. Good on the ski slopes. I'm going to put one on my dog and see what he sees. Um, <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we the they put the, the the camera on the kid, and the, the cover story was well, he got it for Christmas. He won't take it off, and the guy's like, I'm sorry. So now we've acknowledged that they're being recorded. Yeah. And but the problem, the kid was so um, energetic that all we saw was a moving screen <laughs> of the deal. We couldn't see uh, anything was going on. We, the audio was okay, but yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, folks, uh, you heard it all right here. Uh, this creative team. Uh, that has come together and uh, the genius of Rick and his uh, scientific uh, education that he shares with us uh, week in and week out is here. Stu, mystery shopping report. Earl, well, I don't have enough time to say, well, this man here is uh, very educated and has a whole lot of information I'm to share I'm with I'm everyone. Truly, I'm truly amazing. You are definitely. <laughs> the, the room is filled with estrogen. Okay, uh, hey, ladies and gentlemen, let's light up those lines, 877-960-9960. And for you that are bashful, take advantage of the text number 772-497-6530. And don't forget, youranonymousfeedback.com. Extremely important. Let your voice be heard and remain anonymous. And if you get a chance, uh, Earl's latest column this week um, is uh, right on target. Uh, the COVID pandemic, <laughs> the microchip shortage. What else can we have? Highest ever prices. Yeah. And it is just an amazing time. So it pays. Well, 
Knowledge is power. Again, that number, 877-960-9960. We're going to go back to the phones where we have Marty from Palm Beach, and he is a delight to talk to. Welcome back, Marty. Hi. How's everybody doing? We're good. How is it going out there for you? Yeah, well, so far, so good. Do you have anything to share buying. with us? Yeah, I got a couple things. First of all, for the guy that talked about the extended warranty, mm-hmm. I want to tell him, I've been buying cars for about 50 years. Now, I don't keep them for 10 years, but I've never spent a dime on an extended warranty. No. And, if, and if you would add all that money saved for 50 years, you can pay for a repair if it, if it happens. Exactly. I would tell them that. Second thing I want to ask Stu, I've seen some websites now where the dealerships show factory invoice. They show you a picture of the factory invoice. Is that something that costs the dealership a lot more money to do, or is it easy to do? To show the factory invoice? Yes. Uh, No, but I... Like we've talked about in the show, the, the invoice is is, um, is a meaningless term. It's just there. Uh, excuse me. Excuse yeah. me. I made a mistake. Yes. The factory MSRP sticker. Oh, on the website? Yes. No, no, that's easy. That's just a, it's a, a free service of the website. They just, the VINIC explodes. They find it, and the computer puts together something that looks like the um, window sticker. But that doesn't actually come from the direct directly from the manufacturer but it's uh yeah it doesn't cost any more money for the dealer to do that yeah because i find it very interesting because you see when you put down what the car has it's it's to me it's a lot easier to look at the window sticker yeah and see what the car has on it right no it's a very helpful uh, thing for, uh, tool for people who are used to seeing things that way I mean, you can have all the same informations on the on the web page, but it all puts it together in a familiar format, and and that's why they do it. Yeah, because that you know that looks good. Yeah, but but, but, but it's, it's not it's not the actual. It doesn't come from the manufacturer. It's just a VIN exploder. So the computer takes the VIN and figures out what the how to recreate the uh, the window sticker. Yeah, well, I can tell you this. I happen to be looking at L Hendrickson. They only have one. 2021 Camry in stock. Yeah, and that's the that's the only one that they have the window sticker on. Oh, it's, it is and crazy. All, and all the others say it's not available because they probably don't have the car. Yeah, it's funny. Like right now, I think Al Hendrickson Toyota has a for you folks who don't know because this is worldwide. Al Hendrickson Toyota is in Coconut Creek, Florida, and they're the second largest Toyota dealership in the world. Oh. I think Hollywood's still ahead of them. Oh, are they? Yeah, okay. Think, they, got, they, they vie for two or three. Yeah, they're right there. Yeah. yeah. By yeah. 91 cars. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Well, I can, I can tell you this. My last car that I got for them, they took $6,800 off the sticker, and now I saw one where they're only taking $500 off. So hmm. Earl is correct. Yeah. Do not buy a car unless you need it now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they only have at this point in the month. Where are we at now? What's let's say the middle of the month or the ninth? They they would normally have about two hundred cars or, or three hundred cars sold. They only have uh, sixty sold. And Hollywood, the big one, uh, or right there, the, the the twin behemoth, is only have thirty eight cars out um, in the month. So that's that's really low for those who are paying, who are paying attention. And, and the, the the sad part that uh, the public doesn't realize, the dealers that are selling 
uh, a fraction of the number of cars they normally sell are making a multiple of the profits. So they're selling half as many cars and making twice as much money as they did when they sold twice as many cars. And guess how they did that? Because they hosed you when you bought the car. Uh, our mystery shopping reports, we rarely ever see a car that's sold as cheap as MSRP. Usually it's thousands of dollars over. So uh, supply and demand and uh, the car shortage, would, you know, shortage hurts anybody. It hurts uh, if you're selling TV sets or, or sofas or, or uh, you know, uh, bread. Uh, shortages hurt most people. It doesn't hurt car dealers because they mark the car up so much and people pay them so much, they make more money than they did when they were selling more cars. So it's an upside-down world, Marty. Yep, you're right. All right, well, have a good day. It's my comment for the day. Oh, we appreciate that, Marty. Give us a call again. Um, okay, have, have a good one. Thank you. The same Bye. to you. Um, la ladies and gentlemen, uh, what I'd, I'd like to share with you is the Consumer Report. Um, Earl and I were going over this uh, last night, and this, uh, well, month in and month out, Consumer Report just puts a great magazine out that I, I call Our Bible at our home and uh, this time uh, they haven't failed us and it has everything to do with uh, most reliable used cars and the fact that you can get a car for under ten thousand uh, dollars buyer beware but it's out there and it's fantastic the other article that's in the consumer report is the leasing aspect of uh, the auto industry and it can be quite profitable if you don't do your homework. You just have to be sure that you know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, the Consumer Report goes into capitalized cost. Uh, they go into money factors. They go into deposition fees, uh, excessive wear and tear, uh, and uh, the uh, mileage, which is extremely important, and what it could cost you if you go over that mileage whenever you sign that lease. It's very important that you know what you are signing and what the auto, well, the salesman has in store for you. Don't forget the security deposit. So at any rate, um, if you don't have that consumer report, you can go, go to the library. Uh, you can work on their PC. Uh, consumerreport.org and you can find all your information that you need and uh, we all hope to get into this uh, consumer report that I mentioned to you and I have to mention uh, October's uh, also subscription that I got and in there is the car repair handbook and it too has an amazing amount of information and if that isn't enough for you look here can you see that on camera that is Confessions of a Recovering Car Dealer. And in this book, uh, this is the insider's look at what really goes on in the car buying and service business. And this is something that you can purchase and you can have it forever on the bookshelf because it's endless. And you can just open this up and it will definitely help you out. And most of all, this is, uh, I'm telling you, it's a win-win situation. This, all of the proceeds go to Big Dog Ranch. And <laughs> there we have that talented Great bark. scientific mechanic. <laughs> Great bark. <laughs> no, no, that's no good. I like the dogs the bark. are working on Stick their with own the bark. Stick with the bark, yeah. <laughs>
do what you do and do it well. So uh, anyway, all that information for you. Confessions of a Recovering Car Dealer and uh, Earl's uh, second book will be coming up uh, soon and uh, you'll have that at your fingertips. So www.youranonymousfeedback.com, take advantage of that. Also, uh, that number, let's light up the phones, 772-960-9960. That's 877-960-9960. We're going to go back to the phones where Bill is waiting, and he's from West Palm Beach, and then we'll get some YouTubes and some uh, texts. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, guys. Glad to hear. Nice to hear your voice. Uh, are they still in, in the finance office? Are they still selling the rust and lust and the choke and croak? <laughs> we have a veteran on the phone, folks. Yeah. <laughs> well, that goes way back. Rust and dust and choke and croak, I tell you what. Yeah, it's, uh, it's still the, uh, uh, what is the word, dungeon? It's the, uh, we call it the box. It's just... Uh, Terrible things can happen in the finance office, and uh, and they still do. And so uh, I, I advise you to avoid it like you do an extended warranty. If you can, raise your own financing with your credit union, your bank. You're liable to save yourself a ton of money and a lot of aggravation. Yep. Yeah, I used to make a lot of money selling that. Yeah, uh, a lot of people did, and uh, a lot of people still are. You know, it was uh, before COVID, uh, profits on cars were really skinny. Competition is a great thing for the consumer, and competition had driven new car prices down and even used car prices down where dealers struggled. Uh, they were, to be competitive and sell cars, they were having to cut their profit margins real low. And then uh, where are they going to make it? Well, they make it in the box, rust and dust and choke and croak. And uh, they sell you stuff you don't need. Extended warranties and you know, gap insurance and uh, hazard road hazard insurance and lost key insurance and uh, if you can think of it, insurance they make it up and they sell it to you for too much money, and uh, it's still the single most profitable department in the car dealership, even today with car prices at at uh, new highs. Uh, but before that, it was by far. Uh, dealers were making twice as much money in the finance department as they did when they sold the car. So, yeah, it was profitable, Bill. When, when, how long ago were you in the business uh, selling the rust and dust? Oh, let's just say uh, it was the K car generation. Uh huh. <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> the K car generation. Yeah. You were selling Chryslers. How many K cars did you sell? <laughs> Uh, I made a living. Yeah. I, st I still remember the first car that I sold. Yeah, what was it? It was a, it was a, a Plymouth Reliant. Plymouth Reliant. I sold Old it. Reliant. <laughs> that it was new. It was back in 83. Uh -huh. You are a veteran there. <laughs> did, did you knock their head yeah. off, Bill? Knock their head off? Actually, no. It was funny. <laughs> it, it, it turned out to be a mini deal back, back then. Yeah. Mini deals were 25 bucks oh, yeah. flat. <laughs> $25. The car that I landed these people on uh -huh. was a, a buyback. Uh 
unready to buy it back because it still had the original window sticker. Yeah. But we had to sell it as a used car. Sure. Bill, what was the most money you ever made on a car? What was your, what was the highest profit, gross profit you ever made, and what was the commission on that in your career? Oh, I think it was a Grand Wagoneer. Uh huh. And we added a sunroof, you know, rust and lust. And oh yeah. All the undercoating, all that other stuff. Uh, yeah. I think I walked away with eight hundred dollars. And back in the days, eight hundred bucks was a big commission, and uh, uh, the, the, so that would mean you probably made three or four thousand dollars on the car. Oh yeah, easy. Gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. In today's dollars, that would be probably a, a fifteen or twenty thousand dollar profit, and the commission would have probably been uh, six or seven thousand dollars. I think back then we were getting. Uh, Thirty percent minus pack. Uh-huh. The dealer told you you're getting thirty yeah. percent. They were probably lying to you. Well, he did. He's, he's there's a big old pack. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the pack. Yeah, exactly. He probably had eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah. The nice thing about that is the car dealers not only do they lie and cheat with the customers, but they lie and cheat with their employees. And uh, uh, there, there, there are a lot of class action suits by car salespeople that wised up and said. Well, they told me they're going to pay me a 30% commission, and they were really adding profit. They call it a, a pack. It's hidden. They don't tell anybody Scraping, about it. Taking away the profit first. Taking we'll away pay the you 30% problem, after yeah. we glom about a third of the first. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's always good to reminisce, Bill. I, I, uh, a lot of people don't know what we're talking about. Maybe that's good because I'm not sure the statute of limitations is up on everything we did back in those days. So. You better be careful. Oh. Don't give me your last name. I don't want. I don't want to see you going to the slammer. Hey, statute of limitations. We don't want to be an accessory. Uh, Bill, it was great talking to you. Do you have any other information to share with us? Always, always a pleasure. I'm saying, Earl, if we ever meet, I got to tell you a story that I am truly looking back on it ashamed. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, we could. I got a lot of stories I'm ashamed of. I, Send it I, in I, anonymous I, feedback. I, I, you know, some of the terrible things I used to do to widows and orphans, I, they were my specialty. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, <laughs> and, you know, I think that's a, that, that, that is a great, uh, that is a, a great uh, virtue, uh, just to be embarrassed and to want to do better and work honestly in the 21st century. Um, I, I think you had to come from that era in order to get to where you are today. Bill, write a book. You know, this is a this made me feel better. You know, if you if you write a book and confess your sins, it's it's a good thing for the soul, and uh, you feel good, and uh, it's uh, kind of like uh, you know you can recover too. You could be a recovering uh, car salesman. <laughs> I'm recovering from too much other stuff. <laughs> you take care of yourself, my friend. Call again. I love talking to you. You're you're a great guy. Thank you. Yeah. You guys have have a good week. You Thank too. you, Bill. Yeah, bye. You do the same. Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. And uh, boy, we have a another great show ahead of us, ladies. Give us a call. Fifty dollars for the first two new lady callers. Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. And remember. 
you have to take your time whenever you're uh, looking for a car and just you know you know rather than be overwhelmed pick out two or three models and go from there and uh, do your homework <coughs> consumer report earl's book confessions of a recovering car dealer 877-960-9960 and you can text us at 772-497-6530 www.youranonymousfeedback.com you too. Now back to uh, We're going to go to Rick Thanks Earl um, And uh, he's got some interesting YouTubes to we've, share with us We've got a couple uh, The first one here, a comment from Tom He says, uh, on the extended warranties He says, good morning Many of these private warranties May only authorize used Reconditioned or Knockoff replacement parts Good yep. morning from Orlando. And that actually can be true. Some of the companies will not authorize factory parts well, when, when they're repairing your car. They won't when use, uh, they'll send even some, I've even seen some where they will say, no, we will send you the parts to put on this car and they will get lesser quality parts to try to save money. And basically the, it's, very poor quality replacement parts that they're going to send to you or have you use when you write your own warranty car. you can say anything you want so that's the point exactly so you, you should you should never buy a warranty from a dealer that has written the warranty unless you really really truly trust that dealer and you read the warranty and you understand it uh it's bad enough uh, just to buy a factory warranty extended uh, because the factories make a lot of money. I, I, warranty companies make a lot of money, the legitimate ones and the illegitimate ones. So, uh, yeah, you uh, if you buy a warranty uh, without reading it uh, from a dealer that owns that warranty company, you are going to get hosed. Yep. And Big Hamza 22 says, why doesn't the government crack down on dealers with those phony Maroni labels? When you buy a home, Everything is laid out and detailed. Why does the government allow these dealerships to do this? Uh, political corruption. Um, Enforcement. Uh, the, um, the, the, I don't know where the dealers and the manufacturers, auto manufacturers and dealers, where they rank in contributions, political contributions. But I would say it would dwarf uh, NRA. Uh, when, you, when you consider there's tens of thousands of car dealers in the United States, all of them make a lot, not all of them, but virtually all of them make a lot of money. The manufacturers, whether they are a dozen or more, active in the United States and overseas, and these are multi-billion dollar corporations. Some of the dealerships are billion dollar. I mean, they're a change now. You got 204 Auto Nation. I mean, uh, they're huge. The money that they give in their political action committees and their organizations, uh, I. NADA, FADA in Florida, every state has got one or two or three or more uh, organizations. And all these dealer organizations are is uh, political action committees. Money, money, money. And if you want to get elected attorney general in any one of the 50 states and you have the car dealers and maybe the manufacturers against you, you're not going to get elected. So uh, how do they get away with it? They get away with it because the uh, dealers make them get away with it. They, they, they allow them to get away with it. It's, uh, and for those who are wondering, the Monroney label is the window sticker on the car sure. that 
Senator Monroney actually had had pushed this legislation through. It's a federal they law. They must have that sticker on the window. Yeah. But what a lot of disreputable places will do, they'll put another sticker next to it, an addendum sticker, yeah. that lists a whole bunch of stuff that you should not have to be paying for on that car. Mm -hmm. And they design them to look just like the Monroney label. Yeah. Which is where you get that phony Monroney. So, so you say, it was, the question was, how, how could you break a law, a federal law, and get away with it? I can't remember the last time anybody has been uh, charged anywhere that I know of, and I know a lot of dealers, I know of no one that's ever been charged for not having the Monroney sticker on the car. And uh, I also know that uh, if you walk in any car lot, in any dealership, maybe even my dealership, inadvertently maybe, or on purpose, and, uh, uh, wherever you go, you'll find a lot of new cars without the Monroney labels. And, and, and you'll see uh, cars with Monroney labels, as Rich has said, with a phony Monroney, a counterfeit Monroney. So it's a blatant violation of federal law and nobody enforces it. And that's because of the lobbying power of the auto lobby. The big, big auto uh, scares the hell out of the legislators and politicians. And the uh, and there's no incentive. In fact, there's an incentive not to enforce the law. Okay. Now we got one last one here from Guy Larrabee. He says the Chinese are about to disrupt the electric car world. Visit these three sites: E for Electric. Electric Viking and Sandy Monroe, their electronics are top notch and their factories are all new. Scary. Hmm. So, who knows? The Chinese may suddenly flood the market with electric cars. And personally, just my opinion, if these companies can start producing electric cars at a competitive price that have a competitive quality level, why not? Yeah, I, I just, uh, Guy, I hate to disagree with you. Uh, I think the Chinese are way behind on uh, both electric vehicles and uh, autonomous vehicles. I think uh, Tesla is way ahead of everybody in the world. Mm. And uh, this comes up on the show uh, almost every week. Uh, just check with the Chinese buyers and find out what they buy. If you look at the registrations in China, they're buying Teslas. And uh, uh, Tesla has penetrated the Chinese market to a greater extent than anybody. And they are head and shoulders above everybody. Now, with that said, the Chinese are catching up. Uh, the US uh, competitors are catching up. But uh, Elon Musk is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's already around the curve, headed for the finish line. And he can't see anybody behind him, but there will be. They will catch them, and it will be com competition, but not for a while. Okay. Okay, we are going to go back to the phones uh, where uh, John is holding in West Palm Beach. Good morning, John. Hi, uh, good morning. The uh, I think I'm going to take two steps backwards here uh, from what the current conversation is about. But um, you were talking about Chrysler and the, and the advent of the K-cars in the mm -hmm. 80s. And I just want to... It brought to mind... Back in the late 60s, we had purchased a Dodge uh, Dart, and it had the slant six in it. And when you were talking about uh, dust to rust or whatever that uh, thing. Rust and dust. That slant six, 
that slant six outlasted the car. The car, from being from Detroit, the car rusted out, but that slant six engine lasted 200,000 miles. If, if, if the car would have lasted 200,000, it was just a great engine, you know, and then the 80s came along and got away with a lot of that stuff. Oh, yeah. But, it just uh, very true. I I'm, I'm too young to really remember, like when, when the the K car. <laughs> I know we were making fun of it. It, w- it was a bad car, but I don't really remember much about was it. Was that Lee Iacocca's era, John? Yeah, early '80s. Yeah, Lee yeah early, yeah. early '80s. It was yeah. it was the gas crunch and all the regulations were coming out, and then that's when they went to the unibody. I was working at a uh, uh, car repair, uh, auto repair, and. Uh, the dealer next door was Crestwood Dodge. They didn't have a uh, body shop. So we were their body shop, and that's where I was redoing my GTO. Yeah. And we had them coming in, and when the cars were in an accident, we had to get all new uh, equipment put in the floor just to straighten out the frames because there was no frames. It was that unibody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, getting those back in, into compliance, uh, it, it was tough. It, it was it actually... What we did was it was easier for us to cut the car in half <laughs> and another half a car that was not damaged and weld it back together <laughs> than trying to straighten out the, the frame. And we did that several times. Oh. No joke. It's easier to cut the car in half and, and keep that unibody intact. Sure. I hope they stayed together. Yeah. They, they did. They did. We, you know, we had a good welder and... Uh, like to, I said, it that's was, supposed to be uh, disclosed on the title of the car when you do that, and then, but you can actually take that title to Mississippi or New Jersey, wash the title, and you, know, you buy a car that's been cut in half and welded back together again, and you'd never know it. So it's a, it's a crazy world out there with uh, what you can get if you don't do your uh, diligence and in, in being sure you're not getting a car like that. There's a lot of cars flooded, uh, damaged, totaled, cut in half, uh, you know, welded together that are unsafe on the road today because uh, the regulation is not effective. Well, these weren't new cars that we were doing that to. These were customer cars who had been in an accident. Sure. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, the insurance companies were paying for it, and that just was the easier fix yeah. uh, to do in that. Uh, but back then, the insurance companies allowed it. They probably wouldn't allow it now or... <laughs> I don't know. Well, they don't allow don't it, but they get away with it. I, you know, it, yeah. my, my point being that the law is good if it's enforced. And in Florida, you know, if you have a car that's totaled or uh, rebuilt, uh, flooded, uh, you have to disclose that on the title when you sell it. But you can take that t- title and go to a, a state with no title laws, but they go wash the title, say, I lost my title, I need a new title, and they'll give you a title. Mm-hmm. And it won't say anything about the flood. Or the cutting the car in the half, or the or the uh, the total. In fact, the car was totaled. Uh, so it's a, it's a uh, there's not a, the, the regulation is enforced, and we want to talk about the question from a caller earlier. Why? Because the manufacturers and the dealers, political action committees are com- are are uh, com- controlling the, the uh, enforcement of the legislatures, and so the laws aren't enforced. The, you know, one of the other things that happened in the early 80s with cars, that's when they started losing their their sexiness to me. 
Yeah. Uh, you go back in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, yeah. cars had style. They looked great. Yeah. They got all boxy. Yeah. And suddenly in the early 80s, they all went to this utilitarian boxy, the K car, yeah. the Chevy Cavaliers. Everything. Yeah. And they all just, they lost it. Yeah. Okay, let's move along here. Uh, John, did we answer all your questions? You still there, John? Pardon? Yeah, I'm still here. All right. Uh, did we answer all your questions? Yes, we did. Thank you. Well, thank you very Thanks, much. Call John. again, please. Let, what else we got over there with a the text, too? Well, uh, we have uh, the first text from Anne Marie, but if we have, are the phones uh, active? No, uh, they'll call back. Go ahead. Oh, okay. We lost someone. All right. Uh, we'll start off with Anne Marie's uh, kickoff text here. She says, Good morning. Jalopnik reports that the electric truck company Rivian's IPO filing outlines its expected lifetime revenue for each vehicle they sell. The company defines the lifetime of their vehicle to be 10 years and expects lifetime revenue of $15,500 per vehicle for subscriber-based features like infotainment stuff, connectivity. So the MSRP on this vehicle is $75,000. You add another $10,000 for the level 3 driving assist, kind of like the Tesla thing. And then all the subscription fees um, for diagnostics is $5,500. Uh, Emery says, I've seen this detestable business model already. Well, we all have. <laughs> uh, we are, they are turning an electric truck into a rolling computer. Uh, 20 years ago, one could buy a computer already loaded with word processing, business, and school software. Uh, seven years ago, one had to buy that software separately. But once they had it, it was on the computer. Uh, today, if one needs Office 365 for work at school, they got to pay a yearly subscription for it, effectively turning one's computer into an expensive paperweight uh, if one doesn't pay it, and it comes with built-in obsolescence. As far as Rivian, gee, what a deal. A company builds a product, you can't access all its features unless you pay for a subscription. Uh, that's about a quarter of MSRP, and then the vehicles expect to last only 10 years. Uh, good thing, uh, there will be competition. I don't know what kind of electric vehicles Subaru will offer, but I do hope they will measure up to their current vehicles. Uh, to quote their ad, after 10 years, 97% of Subarus are still on the road. Um, uh, so that's signed <laughs> the crotchety curmudgeon, Anne-Marie. Um, and then she says, P.S., there could be other view viewpoints I haven't considered. Um, if you might remember back uh, in the 90s when Bill Gates became a, a billionaire, he's, he, Microsoft and Bill Gates figured it out a long time ago. It wasn't the hardware, it was the software. Um, the software, or the hardware, the computers and screens, it was a commodity. And all the money was made in the software, and, and that's what we're seeing here. But, Emery, you, you hit the nail on the head um, when you said, when you mentioned competition. So, right now, there's only uh, one real serious electric player um, in the world right now, and that's Tesla. And Rivian may or may not come up and be successful, but as more and more players enter the market, yeah, there, they ha it has to be com competition will drive the price to a point that makes more sense. Um, but it is frustrating, but I'm, I'm pretty much used to it, the whole software thing. Yeah, you, just, you, you have a phone. A lot of times, like, they're giving away phones, but it was to get you to, uh, to pay for the, uh, the fees, the, the monthly fees. That's how they get you. Earl, yeah. your, your take. No, I agree. It's just uh, you get away with it. I, uh, the thing I like about Tesla so far is, uh, with my Tesla, that we're, uh, you know, we're, uh, every time I turn around, I'm getting a software update, and they're not charging me for it. And uh, I think uh, the, with uh, even with uh, Toyotas that uh, we're familiar with, uh, that's the way they uh, update cars now and the way they repair cars. So uh, uh, the public's not as stupid as they used to be, and uh, they're getting smarter every day. Software is a very simple thing to do. You do it through the uh, uh, you know Wi-Fi, 
uh, you had your Wi-Fi hooked up and and uh, your wireless uh, fixing of cars and and uh, software. That, well, once you build the software, you can you can permeate every car with it with a flip of a switch. So uh, to charge somebody a huge amount of money is uh, you're doing it because you get away with it because the competition's not making you be honest about it. And then you'll make money until the competition says you can't make any more. Yeah. And as far as the ten-year lifespan, I think they probably that's just a, a, a time. Uh, you know, like they had to come up with a period of time to estimate the the value that they would get from the from the customers. It doesn't mean it's going to die in ten years. I think it's they had to agree on a reasonable amount of time when yeah. people would keep the car. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, excuse me, Stu. We're going to go back to the phones uh, where we have Don uh, from Lake Okeechobee holding. Good morning, Don. Good morning. This is Don from LaBelle. She didn't quite know where LaBelle was. Hey, Don. Was. Oh, welcome. Uh, a long time. Uh, got a, yeah, I got a couple questions for Alan on uh, oil filters on Toyota. I'm wondering, do most Toyotas now require that special tool to take oh. the oil filter off? Actually, yeah. Um, the, the tool is available just about anywhere, but it's sort of a, a cup-looking device that fits on the end of the oil filter housing. Because um, Toyota, in an effort to try to reduce waste, they went from a metal canister filter to replacing just the paper element. And the housing that goes on has flat spots on it that this tool will fit on to engage and spin that housing loose. Um, be advised right. of one thing, though, if you're, if you're doing this yourself as changing your own oil. Get a big breaker bar and be ready to use some force because what happens is the heat differential between that plastic housing and the metal engine, as things heat up and cool down, contract and expand, they seem to lock themselves in super tight. So it's going to take a little yeah. effort to get that thing to spin loose. Yeah, that was my question. It is definitely stuck, and I, that, I was wondering whether a breaker bar would be dangerous and would break the plastic, but apparently not then, huh? Right, you just want to—you don't want to use any sort of impact tools on it because you don't want to crack the plastic. But a nice long breaker bar, and just basically put some pressure and just start turning it, and yeah, it will come loose. For the ninety-nine point nine percent of our audience that has no idea what a breaker bar is, including me, uh, you were done. Uh, a breaker bar is basically a socket, a handle for a socket wrench, uh -huh. and they range anywhere from about a foot and a half to over four feet long, uh -huh. and it's basically, it just gives you more leverage. Okay, so it's like a giant yeah. wrench. Exactly. Okay. How long do you think a uh, breaker bar should be in that particular case? I don't want to get a four foot long one. I, I use a two foot breaker bar. Two feet long gives <laughs> me enough leverage. I got a three foot breaker yeah. bar. How about you, Stu? Uh, How big is your breaker bar? It's only two and a half feet. Oh, okay. <laughs> Has Toyota given any thought to uh, fixing that plastic issue with a different type of plastic or something? They're actually starting to go back to regular steel canister filters on a lot of the engines. They're, they're uh, switching back. Okay. They realized it just wasn't that good an idea because unfortunately those housings sometimes do tend to break. So yeah, they're, they, they realized, all right, you know, it was worth a try, but they're starting to go back to the metal canister filters. Okay, now putting that uh, back on, do I, should I give the guy instructions on not putting it on too tight, or is there some special instructions on putting it so it maybe doesn't get stuck? 
Well, there there is a torque spec listed for how tight it should be. Uh, just make sure to coat the threads and the O-rings with some so fresh, you, clean engine can oil. You, can you buy a torque breaker bar? Well, a torque wrench actually is a breaker bar because oh, they aren't there long enough. Okay. Depending on size of it. Yeah. So so even in, uh, somebody replacing that normally, uh, it still can get stuck like that because of the plastic. So I, so I can't blame the guy that changed it the last time then. No. No. Okay. Well, I was ready to give him what for, but so I'll, I'll refrain from that. Okay, well, thank you very much, Alan. appreciate the help on that. Thanks, Don. Nice to hear from you. Now, don't be a stranger. Call us again. I, I mean, when you said LaBelle, I remembered. And by the way, Alan uh, is not on the show anymore. That was Rick you were talking to. And uh, uh, we'd love to have Alan back. We're trying to talk uh, We're trying to talk him into making oh. uh, at least a guest oh, appearance. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah when you well, used to... I, yeah, I, I apologize. Yeah. I get my names all mixed up. I think my oh. very first call, I got your wife's name mixed up. Well, Nancy, Nancy's still here. Awful. And Nancy's still here. Alan uh, snuck away. We're trying to get him back. But yeah, he was a yeah, regular okay. on the show. Well, thanks well, again. Thank nice you. to have you back. It was. It was great to okay, hear from you. Thank you. Um, Hi, Don. Okay. I hate for all, all of you that are, were listening to the conversation with Don and Earl and the guys. Um, nobody asked me about my breaker bar set. That I have. I, bet I have you a, got a huge one. Everybody yeah. knows about your breaker bar. <laughs> <laughs> I have a breaker bar you, set. You're, you're walking around with that breaker bar all the time. <laughs> That's right. You've been stalking Here me. Comes Nancy with her breaker bar. <laughs> well, yeah, but that was the set that came with your Barracuda, right? <laughs> you see what I'm up, up see, against, when ladies? See, when you collect these gentlemen? terms, you can really impress people. And you go to a car dealership and say, look, uh, if you have a little trouble at an oil filter, I got it in my breaker bar in the trunk. You can feel free to use it to the bus side baby yeah but be sure you yeah, torque it and you have a choice yeah. whether it's a quarter an eighth that way they three think quarters, you know what you're right, talking about and they're afraid to take advantage <laughs> of you i always like pulling out those little tools whenever yeah. i was single with three kids and i'd walk into a dealership uh, whether it would be for me to get my car <laughs> serviced or anything else i had to wear a bulletproof vest and the way i did it knowledge knowledge is power and you may not know everything but to you know put that out there just a breaker bar set it's going to make it, it the, the mechanic's going to step back That's so right. fake it till you make it <laughs> we're going to go back to the phones where uh john from palm city is waiting to talk with us good morning john good morning to everyone hey, john. i have two questions to rick so concerning tires my neighbor he's a snowbird he just came back and he said to me john do me a favor I have a slow leak. It's, he has a motor vehicle, he has a motor home, and he has a car. And the car, on the way back down to Florida, he got a flat in a remote area, and it has a slow leak in it. So the first thing I asked him, how did they fix it? He said, with a plug. I said, no, you need to go to a car tire dealer and get that thing uh, demounted and get it fixed properly with a patch on the inside. Now, let me ask Rick this question. If it's demounted and it's fixed the right way, which it should have been, you know, taken apart, if it's marked by the valve stem in the same position that it's in now, does he need a new balancing, tire balancing? No. However, okay. there, there is one issue here. Once a tire has been plugged, yes. you can't fix it again. You're going to need a new tire. You cannot remove the plug and patch it from the inside. Once it's been plugged, either trust the plug and hope that it holds up, 
or replace the tire. Okay. I kind of thought that might be right, but I, I didn't, I'm not an expert on it. And the second question I want to ask you, he said to me, John, how old are the tires that are on there? So I know from my notes, you look for the DOT label on the tire. Every tire has that. has to be meet the DOT specifications. And right after the DOT label, there's four digits. And I told him it's very simple. Yours reads 50-20. The first two digits are the week it was made. In other words, 50th week of the year. And the last two are the year, 20. So in other words, that was made in the 50th week of 2020, which is basically a fresh tire. And if he replaces that one, I told him, make sure he has a, a Michelin, which you pay extra for, but they have good ratings, naturally. Uh, you only buy a tire that's Consumer Reports rated it. And then I, that's what I told him, though. I said, your tires are not old that are on the vehicle. But the second thing I want to ask you, on his motorhome, he lets that sit in the sun for like five months. And you and I know the sun dries tires. So I told him he should be going and an auto accessory place. They have these like uh, canvas covers like to stop the sun directly from hitting the tire. Is, is that be a proper thing to do? You're exactly correct on all counts. The DOT dates and cover those tires up. Okay, now other thing too, for other or the, or the vehicle, is there a coating basically like a back rubber dressing or something that we all could use on an older tire to stop the rubber from drying and cracking? Is there any such thing in an auto store? Not really, no. Uh, the only thing they will sell you are those uh, the tire shine and the, the stuff that makes it look all shiny and wet and pretty. And truth be told, as a mechanic, I hate it. Olive oil will do the same thing. What's that? Olive oil will do the same thing. Yeah. But uh, when I go to rotate the tires and I have to pick that tire up and I get that stuff all over me. And the other side of it is within about three days of driving time, every speck of dirt that is on the road is going to be sucked to those tires and they're going to look horrible. Well, that's why I also told him, he said, can I use WD-40? I said, no, WD-40 will make the dirt stick to the tire more, am I right? Yeah, absolutely, it will. Yep. Okay. All right. I thought it was interesting, though, because uh, covering a, on a motorhome, that tire will dry directly with the sun hitting it, and you'll have uh, problems with cracked and cracked uh, bad tires. Yep. So thank you for the information. Anytime. It was great talking to you, John. I know you're going to stay tuned for that mystery shopping report and uh, so much more. Let me say something here about that uh, DOT date. I was just thinking while Rick and, and, and John were talking, what, uh, what possessed the disease brain that came up with that format for a date? In other words, uh, the 50th week, uh, you know, why, why wouldn't they just say, uh, you know, uh, uh, November 1920? Uh, I mean, oh, I mean, 2020. Why wouldn't they say November 2020? Well, why would they put uh, an innocuous uh, crater? Uh, you look at that, and it says 5020. What the hell is 5020? Now, is a purpose? What's the purpose of putting the date on the tire? Is it tell the purchaser 
and the retailer and the wholesaler the date of the tire. Mm -hmm. And why do you want the date on the tire? So you don't sell a tire that's too old because NHTSA says six years is about as old a tire as you want to put on your car. And so why would they why would they disguise the date so that nobody can read it except them that's in the know? Well, I, you know, the answer is pretty obvious, right? They, 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 the, the law, somebody said, okay, you know, some regular came in and said, okay, we, get, we just passed a law. And you, you tell all your constituents, I passed this law requiring that the date a manufacturer be put on every tire. And you get a lot of accolades and votes. And then the manufacturer counterfeits or, or disguises the date so that nobody knows what the date is. And it's a lot easier to sell his tire because, hey, I'm not going to buy a tire from this manufacturer if he has a date that says I can't keep it on the shelf longer. I can buy it from this one that's putting 5020. Nobody knows what it is. I can keep that tire for 10 years and sell it and get away with it. Now, am I the only one? Uh, do any yeah, I, got, I got a problem with that. You know, I can share my story. I'm out in the garage, you know, a long time ago, and I'm checking the air, uh, the uh, PSI, uh, uh, pressure per square inch, or whatever the hell it stands for. And I'm looking at my tire, and I'm wondering, why has the manufacturer made it so difficult for me to know the year of my tire? And it just gets so complicated, it could be so easy. Uh, by stamping that tire, just say plain and simple, uh, October 8th, 2021, period. You know, so that's my take. I'm good with it. You're good with it? Okay. <laughs> Stu's good with it. Okay. <laughs> His eyes are a whole lot sharper, and he's way, way younger. I'm, I'm much shorter. <laughs> well, the thing I like about that is I beat you on shortness. We can sound a lot smarter on you. Know, we sound like we know stuff because we can tell people what they're, how to read the code on their tire no, the of the day, but why do we have to tell them? Okay, let's I'm going to protest. Okay, uh, we are going to go to Tequesta, where Steve is holding. And welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you. Uh, I have a regular, I'm a regular listener, and I'm hoping you can help me out. Um, I wanted to buy, like, a really fancy sports car uh, under the Costco auto program. Okay. But the, uh, but the, uh, the shop said that, that that particular, like, new Corvette, the new hot-looking Corvette. A C8. Uh, doesn't, yeah, they don't uh, allow you to get a discount. So is that common throughout the industry, or is he just telling me a story? No, that's, that is common. See, Costco lets the dealers submit their, the prices they want to sell, and then they... Costco determines if it's fits in with their parameters for the market value, and um, if there's cars that dealers don't want a discount, they just won't submit a price, especially on a car that's um, like a, like a low supply, high demand vehicle like the C8 Corvette. Uh, there, right now, there's a there's I think there's a eight month wait just to get those things. So um, so those would probably be excluded by the from um, by the dealers themselves. Yeah, yeah. The car the car had a sticker of like a hundred grand on it. And the dealer wouldn't take less than $140,000. I thought that was crazy. So that's when I... That's insane, I but it's not... The, yeah, that's not unheard of. Every We see that... Like, even the Toyota Super, when it came out, dealers were selling it for 50, 80 grand over over sticker. And the sticker price was like 60000 in the 50s. And uh, yeah. 
they did it, and 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 they and and the manufacturers can't do anything about it, and the and the state, the governments can't do it. It's just okay. it's. That's say one, one, one thing you might try when you're trying to get a price from a Costco certified dealer and they don't have the model or the type of car you're you're interested in on display and as Stu said that's their choice if they uh, in fact that's buyer beware you know if they won't put a Costco price on there that just tells you it's such a high demand low supply car and the price is so high they don't want to put it on there and Costco allows that uh, but you can talk to other dealers in other words when you call up or you go online, Costco will give you steer you to the dealer and your zip code. So what you need to do is you need to uh, either go directly to Costco and uh, explain to them why you would like the name of certified Costco dealers in other areas. But if I was shopping for a car, I would definitely use the Costco auto buying program. And I will also go to several Costco certified dealers. If I could find the dealer 30 miles away, or, or even further, that'll save me money. I'll go there, and uh, yeah. uh, all you're getting when you buy a car from a Costco certified dealer is the that is supposed to be contractually with Costco. That is the lowest price he will sell, a lower price that he will sell that same vehicle to to anybody else. But that doesn't mean the dealer down the street, who's also Costco certified, won't beat his price. So get two or three Costco certified dealer prices before you buy. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for the information. Thanks, Steve. Um, excuse me. Have a great day. Uh, thanks, uh, Steve. Thanks, Steve. 877-960-9960. Don't forget, ladies, $50 for the first two new lady callers. Rick, I have a question for you. As far as charging uh, your vehicle at home, somebody from the uh, Northeast had asked me, is it safe to charge your vehicle at home when it's raining or snowing? By charging, I'm guessing you mean charge an electric car? Ele EV, yeah. Yes. The, it they've is safe. got safeguards built in on those, like, Great. astronomical amounts. They're okay, Richard, totally I hope, safe. Hope I still get nervous, though. Hope you're listening, Richard, uh, from uh, good old Pittsburgh. Um, again, I'm going to mention it. Ladies, $50 for the first two new lady callers. And uh, I'll remind everyone that I did mention earlier about the Consumer Report November's issue. If you don't have it, go to the library. And right there, you can go to consumerreport.org. Wow, so much information on reliable used cars and so much information about leasing. Uh, anyone out there uh, that has signed a contract recently, uh, what was the uh, charge, the fee, the penalty for going over the mileage? Give us a call. 877-960-9960. Now back to Stu. Hi. Excuse me, we have a call. Excellent. And we are going to uh, talk to Kevin, who's calling from Buffalo, New York. Wow, cool. Welcome, Kevin. Good morning, team. I, you, Good morning. My alarm clock for Saturday morning, so I like to wake up and listen to your show. And Nancy, I'm glad you have a full set of breaker bars because you have to keep control of your staff in that office and in the studio right now. <laughs> I like you that. You, you saw my bag that I carry. <laughs> you know, your show always brings up thoughts like you talked about a K car. I used to drive a K car and it was very dependable and it really pushed through snow very well. I know Nancy, you're from the Pittsburgh area, so it did very well in the snow and uh, I thought it was a great car and reliable. Indeed. The, the question I have is, 
uh, you know, the gentleman Kevin called about being a group manager for a municipality. And I worked for a municipality, and a problem by buying dependable cars is that you have to put out things to bid, and you never know what kind of car you're going to get. Because the bids have to be very generic, and um, yeah. it was always the hard part for us. And maybe every three years, you have three different models of cars to work on, and you have to have special parts for every car. It ended up being easier for us just to send them to dealers now to work on them, and I. Our technicians do not work on small cars or pick up any trucks anymore because of the technology and stuff like that. My yeah. question is, is about a Toyota uh, Highlander with 18,000 miles that's two years old, and the brake pedal seems soft. Is that normal? Is when you put the brakes on a car stops and then the pedal goes to the floor. That's, is that normal or is that something going on with it? Well, is it, does it just sort of go all the way to the floor relatively quick, or is it kind of like a, a, as you keep pressure on it, it slowly works its way down? Slowly works its way down. Yeah. That's actually pretty much normal. What it is, it's the springs and actuators inside the ABS actuator that is just relaxing that pressure on the pedal, but the brakes are still holding fine. If The easiest way to tell is, Shut the engine off and pump the pedal until all the vacuum's gone away from it, and that pedal should come up nice and high and hard. If it's solid as a rock then, then you know you don't have any air in the system, and you're fine. However, if it feels sort of spongy or soft at that point, then you might want to have it checked out to see if somehow you got some air in the system. Uh, otherwise, no, because ABS systems, the, the pedals feel very different from the old standard systems we used to have and they can feel very spongy at times but it's normal because of the way the actuators activate in there okay all right you know i'm not like uh fred flintstone trying to stop his car it's, it's safe <laughs> to stop but it just seems to slowly go down to the ground or floor i'm sorry um, my other question is hmm. for earl at one time was chevrolet and toyota a uh, Working together maybe 30, 40 years ago in a, in a, in a, in a team effort for a while. Yeah, they. Uh, the Geo and the Corolla were the same car, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Chevrolet G Geo or the GM Geo, whatever. It was Chevy, right? Yeah, because we yeah. used to have uh, AC Delco radiators yeah. and uh, alternators on the Corollas. Yeah. And anytime a Corolla would come in with a battery light on, we just glance at the alternator, and if it was AC yeah. Delco, we knew it needed to be replaced. They, they, were building, they were building the Fremont plant in California, and uh, it was a, a really an interesting liaison uh, between you know America and Japan and, and General Motors and, and Toyota. It was like that movie Gung Ho. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think that plant now is uh, uh, is owned by Tesla. I think uh, I think it, uh, it it got sold, and I I'm guessing if anybody knows the answer to that. Uh, Fremont, California. Actually, I just saw a report that Tesla is moving out of California to Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's not uh, digress too much. So, does that answer your question, Kevin? Yeah, I remember they used to call it Toy Lead as a one time. Yeah. And yeah. my last, my yeah. last comment is for you, Earl. The honesty. You know, instead of service contracts, what they call them, serv warranties, are high profit margin for a dealer. And you were straight out, and uh, you gave your opinion of it. That's very, you know, very truthful and honest, Earl. And to your team too. Thank you. Well, thank you very much thank for you. the compliment. It's, uh, it's uh, what a recovering yeah. car dealer does. He's got a. I was. I'm trying to redeem myself from my evil years in the past. And in fact, I'm writing another book now, 
Uh, we're thinking about entitling it Redemption of a Recovering Cardio. So thanks for the compliment. Yeah, and I know you donate your money to the doctor rescue group there. Very nice. And I'm, I'm a proud owner of the book, too, Earl. Thank you and enjoy, team. Thanks, right, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Hope you're not shoveling too much snow. That's something I oh, no. do not miss. I hope you're <laughs> from Buffalo, New York. <laughs> you know, the trees are beautiful right now. Nancy. Aren't they? Oh, it's just a magnificent. I do miss the seasons, uh, but I just don't miss trudging in the snow to work. <laughs> and all those layers I had to wear. It took me an hour to get out of my clothes just to get into the office and clock in. Okay, Kev. Right, thank thank you. you. Thank you. Give us a call again. 877-960-9960. Give us a call. And uh, ladies, uh, I just want to thank you for supporting me and my platform. And uh, just to let you know that uh, women influence 85%. 85% of the all, all overall buying decisions give us a call this morning win yourself fifty dollars for the first two new lady callers hey seven seven nine six oh ninety nine sixty and uh earl's vigilantes we haven't mentioned that uh earl put on his great looking hat uh, i'm not gonna put it on this gonna hold it up design that's my mask up and uh ladies and gentlemen uh you certainly can help us uh, by uh, signing up for Earl's Vigilantes. You can not only help us, uh, but you can help the people in your community. And uh, it's, uh, it's a great organization to get involved in. We have some real talent there uh, that uh, has signed up. And that's a free hat. We give them a hat. Just on yeah, you get your free hat. and uh, got a lot of hats. We're, we're working on, yeah, we're working on uh, T-shirts and uh, so much more. And also volunteers are needed to sort of help uh, a lot of people that are online and uh, they need some assistance of, uh, you know, like the senior uh, car buyer. Uh, sometimes it's pretty easy to maneuver your way around the internet. Sometimes it isn't, but you can volunteer for that too. So go to Earl on Cars and uh, join in the fun. 877-960-9960. And of course you can text us at 772-497-6530. Please don't forget youranonymousfeedback.com. Now back to Stu. Well, we have an important update from Buck. Uh, we were worried about him last week, oh. um, but he tested negative for a parasitic draw. Oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, Buck texted just now, well, a little, little while ago. He says, I'm, it ended up being the battery. Oh. He goes, I will not go to AutoZone again. It was a replacement battery for the other one that went bad, and they don't warranty the replacement. Have an awesome day. Thank you to everyone that's a part of what, with what you guys do. Thanks, Buck. Oh. <laughs> How nice. He said they got the when he went to the place last Saturday. They, they um, he said he thinks he had a parasitic draw, and they suggested penicillin. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's right. Yeah. So okay. I said, right, you, you needed a anti-parasitic. You need ivermectin. <laughs> a little humor there. Uh, we're going to go back to the phones where Ken is waiting from West Palm Beach. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Doing we're great. great. It's great to hear from you. Well, thank you, and I just want to come out and say right off the bat, thank you for everyone in the studio, how this show works out, and all the knowledge you give us. Thank you all. Well, uh, we appreciate that uh, compliment. Flushing here. We don't take it well, for granted. Thank uh, I kind of want to refresh your memory. I have a question for Rick in a minute, but I want to refresh your memory. Um, there was a Michelle that called in, I want to say a couple months ago, Mm -hmm. uh, for Napleton Kia? 
I don't know if you remember, but I'll refresh your memory. Uh, she called in, said we got thrown out of the dealership over a contract on a Kia Soul. Oh, yeah. I'm the gentleman that actually got thrown out. I'm her husband. Okay, I do uh-huh. remember. Uh, the blown main fuse, the tire, the hole in the tire, et cetera, et cetera. And boy, what a fiasco that was. And they put me in their glass cage, and I'll tell you, <laughs> I learned a lot from that experience. I bet you did. Trial by fire. Education by yes, fire. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Uh, my question is for Rick. Uh, Mr. Rick, I don't mean to get technical. I know you're an aeronautical engineer in these cars nowadays. I have a question on a 2015 Nissan Altima. It had been uh, the gentleman purchased this car brand new from a specific dealership. Um, got into an accident probably about a year and a half ago. They're the original owners. Um, took it to the same dealership, the body shop. Had it all repaired, supposedly. Uh, what had happened now is, for some reason... The key fob no longer works with the car. I can walk 10,000 miles away and the car will still start. Hmm. Uh, I'm losing, or they're losing different accessories in there. For instance, the lights, sometimes the uh, instrument cluster. My question, when taking it to a dealer's body shop and they reprogram the ECM, the main computer or the BCM, the body control module, to make it still work without the key fob and all the reference points that the key fob and the computers make connections, communications with? No, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about a, a smart key system yes, where sir. it's push, button, start. Yes, if, sir. if that key is not inside the car, one of the keys that car should not start. If it starts without a key being in that car, there's something really weird going on. And there's a key under the seat. I would I would have to believe, like Stu says, there is another key somewhere in that car. No, sir. I have both key fobs. Actually, uh, it's my brother's car. Um, don't want to say the dealership's name because I don't want any problems there. But no, he has all both key fobs in the car or in the house. I can take his car. He lives up near your way up in Stewart. I can drive it down to my house in Royal Palm Acreage, never with a key fob in the car. I can't lock the doors. I can push the key, the door lock in the car. As soon as I close the door, automatically unlocked. Wow. There's a key in that car somewhere. Well, there has know, to be. You know, what I'm going to say yeah, is just for... Go, go, go online and go to a uh, Nissan uh, you know, chat room. You know, go, go yeah. online. I mean, I, I, I agree. I mean, Rick, you know a hundred times more about this kind of thing. Than I do, but you know, I always hate to say uh, that uh, you know this this man is feels sure that there's not a key fob, not a key in the car. So uh, there could be some weird thing. I, I just I, I don't know what it would be, but uh, never say never. Yeah. Okay, I thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Ken. Maybe you can. I, my next, I do have one more question. I'm sorry. To sure, take your, time, take your time. Is there any way I could go back after? dealership's body shop to get them to repair this yes because they if they did the repairs and the repair you're having issues they should either take care of it uh what most likely they will do is they'll contact the insurance company that covered the repairs in the beginning and they'll say hey you know we've got more issues going here we need a supplement repair and the insurance company will just 
take care of it and pay for it. Okay. Well, I greatly appreciate all what you all do. Um, thank you very much. I'm talking for everybody because you just teach us so much. Thank you. Well, Ken, call, you. Call, call back next week. I'm dying to figure out uh, this key fob thing. Interesting because uh, Rick knows more about this stuff than anybody, and he thinks there has to be a key in the car, and you are hmm. checked carefully, and there is not. So this, I love mysteries, and uh, if you uh, solve this mystery, we'd love to hear back from you. Yes, sir, absolutely, absolutely. If I find out anything, yes, because I used to be in the industry, and Rick, I commend you, sir, keep going, because I had to get out. It was too much on my brain. <laughs> sometimes yeah. it is, sometimes it is. Hey, uh, Ken, I, I just want to thank you for your phone call, and boy, you sound like as if you're helping out a lot of people around you. Uh, you'd be a great asset to Earl's Vigilantes, so you might want to think about that. And if you do, and you want to, go to Earl on Cars, where you can get all your information and you can join us. You can help all the people in your community and help us, too. Have a wonderful yes. weekend. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. I will consider it. Yes. Okay. Uh, Ken was our last call. Our phone lines are uh, shut down. Uh, you are an important part of the uh mystery shopping report we always want your feedback and how you rate that mystery shopping report uh, but we have a whole lot more to get to yeah, so only, don't go uh, anywhere only the old-fashioned telephones are shut down the text are not shut down the youtube is not shut down and the youranonymousfeedback.com is not shut down because when we do this mystery shopping report if we get through a little early we'd like to go back and answer more questions mm -hmm. so well, we got a YouTube from Rick, and we got probably a bunch of yeah. stuff over there. Yeah, so remember, 772-497-6530. Okay. We have a text from Jonathan in Wellington. He says, I think that all dealerships visited by your mystery shopper should start out with a failing grade. Make them earn a passing grade with fairness, ethics, honesty, and a decent car buying experience. 30000 or more is a lot of money for a vehicle. You should only spend that money at ethical dealerships. Jonathan, we uh, feel your pain. We know how you feel. We feel the pain every time we give a passing score to somebody that really tried to screw the customer. But uh, one of our purposes is to guide you to a place where you can buy a car. If you live, if you live in Florida, and that's basically where we do most of our shopping, although we've been to other states a lot recently, but mainly Florida. So if you live in, uh, if you live in Orlando, Florida, or you live in uh, Miami, Florida. Uh, we want to be able to give you a, a Chevrolet dealer somewhere or a Honda dealer somewhere that you're going to have less danger. But we find out there is no such thing as a dealer in Florida that has no danger. So uh, we have to use the curb. But I, you know, we, we anguish when we give somebody a passing grade. But we put the grades down. So when you look at EarlOnCars.com, Go for the dealership that you find the highest score for. So if you see an A, grab it. Very few of those. A B, fantastic. Stay away from the D minuses. Okay. So uh, we have another one here from, there's no names, just a question that says, uh, several car dealers in the Orlando area are posting prices that secretly assume a $2,000 uh, trade or cash down. Um, is that violating 501.976, referring to Florida's uh, Unfair and Deceptive, Deceptive Trade Practices Act? Um, I'm sure that is. I've seen this before, and basically there's an advertisement. You see a price that looks lower, but it also you know, it might be labeled trade or cash from consumer. 
which we have had the hardest time trying to wrap our heads around that kind of advertisement. You're but not going to read that. I just had the statute. We I have it here. 501.976. <laughs> we have this on file, easily uh, accessible in the studio. I here. can tell you this. It positively violates the Federal Trade, Trade Commission, Commission rule that says that anything that, that materially modifies the price of the car has to be prominently and conspicuously displayed yep. beside the price. And then also, um, if they're doing it for a down payment, then they're violating uh, truth in lending, another federal violation exactly. um, that regulates how you advertise uh, uh, bank loans. Okay, so let's see. I think we might have, w oh, there are a couple. One is, have you heard about the Tesla Cyber Quad? It's an electric ATV that fits in the back of the Cybertruck. I did not know about it. I looked it up, and I saw it, and it's really cool. I don't want to, you know those, you've seen uh, the, the people ride them off-road. Down here, they're really popular four-wheel vehicles, and you can drive off in trails. And huh. uh, they're, they're, But they're gas-powered. This is going to be an electric-powered uh, uh, quad, an ATV, and it, it looks really cool. Uh, hmm. You know, with the power behind the torque and all that. This made by Tesla? Yeah, and they said it'll be the safest uh, ATV ever made. Oh, it's on the, oh, it's on the um, plans. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But there's a big picture of it sitting in the back of a Tesla Cybertruck. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. Now, here's one. Out. I'm going to read the question, and it's Earl's choice whether he wants to answer it uh, today um, or wait till next Saturday. Okay. Earl, what was that incident that happened to you years ago when the cop pulled you over and tried to revoke your license? <laughs> what time is it? We don't have time. I have time. It is, it's a funny story, and I'll do it next week. I'll explain it next week. I love telling the story, by the way. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess it's time for the, uh, the we're gonna MSR. We've got a YouTube oh, over yeah. here. Yeah, yeah we're going to go to Rick. Here. Uh, Guy Larrabee says, Car dealers should be forced to wear racing suits like the NASCAR drivers with the sponsor names all over them. That way we would know who owns them. <laughs> by the way, for Earl, they do build Teslas in China. Uh Tom Steckel says, I'll bet none of Earl's dogs have nitrogen paws. <laughs> <laughs> Nitrogen-filled collars. <laughs> and the last one we have here is Charles Reeves says, Good morning, all. Thank you for your invaluable and indispensable advice. As a first-time car buyer, what resources should I use to find and get the best insurance rate? Godspeed. Oh, that's a great question. And we haven't talked about that in a long time. Uh, you can go. Uh, you you should shop your insurance at least every four years, and uh, there's advertisements now. They even have companies that will shop your insurance for you. But if you're with Allstate, State Farm, Geico, Progressive, whoever you insure with, if you've been with them for four years, they've raised your rates, and you can go out and get a lower rate. Bada bing, simple, and uh, that's what they do. You know, I've, it's, it's so sad to think that if you're loyal. The guy go or progressive, and you've been with them, you know, 20 years. I know people that've been, you know, I've had, you know, since I, I learned to drive, I've had Allstate insurance, and they're the best, and you know, I'm in good hands yeah. with Allstate, yeah. and I've been with them for, you know, 40 years. Well, you're you're getting hosed. Yeah. Go out and go to State Farm, Geico, Progressive. They all do it. It's one of the little-known dirty secrets that insurance companies will automatically raise your rates if you don't complain. I just exactly. want to say something really, really quick here. People get stuck in their ways and people ask for recommendations. Say, oh yeah, I gotta go to my guy, my guy. Well, at our dealership, we've done this over the years, and if you're not if you are not going out re for bids for everything you're spending money on yeah. regularly, yeah. you are you're not being a frugal person. You know, <laughs> you it, gotta it, say, yeah. Exactly. It seems like yesterday um, Alan sat here on the panel and gosh did he have a lot to say about uh, all of this and you must shop 
everything, including insurance, because like Earl said, wow, you can really be taken advantage of, and there's some great uh, prices out there. Uh, if you do your homework, knowledge is power. We're going to go to uh, Rick. Do you have anything for us? We're caught up at the moment. Oh, okay. Stu- We're all ready for the mystery shopping report. Okay, dokie. Okay. We are going to go to Mullinex Ford. Uh, and again, I remind you to please vote on the Mystery Shopping Report, and you can do so at 772-497-6530. Now back to the recovering car dealer. Okay, in the last year and a half, the car business has been turned upside down, along with the rest of the world. Uh, from COVID and the lockdowns of 2020 to the supply shortages today, epic outside forces have shaped our car dealer behavior in ways we couldn't have predicted. In the first days of the, of the pandemic, when businesses shut down across the country, many states, including Florida and local governments, deemed car dealerships essential. Now, we talked about earlier about lobbying and, and, and power, political power with the political action committees. Uh, that was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, and I say that tongue in cheek, how the manufacturers and dealers uh, uh, considered themselves like emergency rooms or hospitals or I mean, here we have a pandemic, Our but grocery stores. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> grocery stores. Yeah. Service yeah. departments, yeah. I can yeah. see repairs yeah. are needed. And I, I'm, I was, I'm, of course, I'm a car dealer, so I, I was very pleased that we were able to remain. I was frankly surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, when the pandemic hit, we really went to. to you know, we panicked. Uh, we said, "Did we? How are, who's going to come out and buy a car?" And we, we did a pro forma forecast uh, financially to find out how long we could survive because we didn't think we were going to sell any cars. And then the powers that be, the, the uh, auto manufacturers and the dealers through their political action committees were able to lobby the legislatures, state and, and federal, to deem car dealerships a vital industry and this is the most profitable year and last year, this year, of any car dealer anywhere. So I just digressed, but I just thought it was interesting uh, what we thought was going to happen and what actually happened. Uh, anyway, the only ads we saw after that and during the pandemic, going back to the Mystery Shopping Report, were, were open. And that in itself was refreshing because a lot of t- stuff was closed. In a short amount of time, we saw dealers evolve their messages to emphasize online buying. Now they're trying to make people feel safe. It seemed that overnight, every car dealership in America had become Amazon, and it wasn't, of course. In reality, 99.9% uh, of them weren't offering anything close to real online buying. But hey, what do we do? We're car dealers. We tell you what you want to hear. When the first federal economic stimulus package was introduced, car dealers jumped to the chance to use that in their marketing. Uh, we said Not to mention the fact that a lot of car dealers got money they didn't need, and all small businesses did, but that's another story uh, at any rate. And then they, it, it wasn't enough that they got millions of dollars that they didn't need because their profits were bigger than ever, uh, and they weren't laying off their employees because they didn't have to, but they still got the money. Uh, but they used the word stimulus because they did get the stimulus. Now they're telling you the money that they didn't need that the federal government was giving them, they're going to give to you and take it off the price of the car. And uh, <laughs> I mean, 
talk about perversion. Yeah. With dealers implying that somehow they were using federal stimulus funds to offer really great deals. What a bunch of, I can't say the word. Can uh, I say it? Yeah, well, yeah, go, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> we remember uh, we have federal regulations. <laughs> <laughs> Things got seedier when ads began popping up that exploited the outpouring of attention and gratitude to our frontline healthcare workers. We saw an ad that used a credit union rebate. This is really, uh, I'm starting to get nauseous already. Uh, a credit union rebate for first responders to lure ineligible customers to the dealership. In other words, this was only intended for our, our, our police, our fire for, our firefighters. Emergency room nurses. Emergency, uh, you know, uh, the people that are at risk, that uh, the heroes of the COVID uh, pandemic, that's what this uh, special rebate was for. And they put that in the fine print. So that you and I would come into a car dealership and say, I want to buy the car for that price. They say, well, are you a first responder? They say, no, I'm a bus driver. That price just went up. Yeah, uh, you're not, now you don't get the rebate. So that's what we saw in the advertiser. Uh, the, global micro, the global microchip shortage and the resulting vehicle inventory crisis is the latest aftershock of COVID-19. Man, what a ride it's been in the past couple of years. Nancy and I are, you know, we're talking about that. I mean, what, how life has changed. Hmm. Uh, aftershock of COVID-19 to be exploited by car dealers. For the first time in a very long time, the uh, winds of supply and demand shifted in favor of car dealers. And they didn't waste a second taking advantage of this. Prices, is, prices skyrocketed and remain high today. I mean, over sticker, folks, I'm telling you, if you can buy a car today at MSRP, manufacturer suggested price, grab it. Uh, it's, just, it it's just crazy the prices that dealers are getting. If you don't need a car, don't buy it today. Every week, month that you wait, the prices are going down and down and down. If you can wait two or three months, man, you're going to save thousands of dollars. So here we are. Uh, um, every mystery shop that we've had, every, yeah, everyone, everyone. Nearly, because there was one, the one well, in, there, yeah. uh, up in Pittsburgh. Well, I that's think. right. We yeah. had one that was only MSRP. Right. Yeah. Well, actually, it wasn't thousands. It was. It wound up being a couple of hundred dollars over because oh, few, of, the, yeah. of the little dealer Small field. dealer field, that's right. Through all of this, we kept mystery shopping and reporting, uh, uh, kept mystery shopping and reporting back to you. But for the most part, we targeted the usual players, the car dealers you'd expect to behave like this. But uh, have any of the good guys gone bad? Well, we don't know. Uh, this week, we're turning our attention to a familiar name, and if you listened to the show before, Malmex Ford, they're one of the good guys, and they've always been on a recommended list, and they've been around for a long time. They have several dealerships in Florida, and uh, they were pioneers. They pioneered uh, the one price. Uh, uh, they came right along with no dealer fee. Uh, they've been there. Uh, with a few vacillations, and uh, there, it started out just a few stores, and then as the, as the dealerships expanded, it got a little loose, but always, always good, always in the top, what five percent? Yeah. Mullinex Four is the home of the nearly no dealer fees, and one of our used to be no dealer fees, and, and came back. We'll, uh, we'll complete the story at the end of the shopping report, and one of our favorites. They get good grades on every shopping report, even though we ding them enough for the little dealer fees. Um, they, they say there isn't any, but there is, and that's another story. 
How are they handling the inventory shortage? Are they strong enough to resist the lure of price gouging? Agent Lightning was called up for this mission. Okay, here we go. Agent Lightning, our female shopper. Speaking in the first person. I arrived at Mullinex Ford around lunchtime with my husband. We parked, or tried to get some, uh, find some vehicles, and there, were none, there weren't many. This is North Palm Beach on North Lake Boulevard, mm -hmm. right? Uh, my plan was to say I was looking for a new SUV, and I was open to pretty much anything. We spotted a pair of Ford Broncos parked on the patio near the entrance and walked over to see them. As we checked them out, we were approached by a salesman. It was Raspberry. <laughs> when I read this, at first I said Raspberry. I said, oh, I remember. Yeah. And isn't that clever? A salesperson would call himself Raspberry. Yeah. I can't believe that's his maybe his Maybe his mom called him Raspberry. Uh, well, maybe. But, uh, but, <laughs> but when you stop and think about it, and the same salesman I had the last time, and Agent Lightning remembered, and he didn't remember her, but... Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of customers. But if you're in the sales business, how cool it is to have a interesting, memorable name, right? Yeah. What could be better? Yeah. So, I might change my well, name. Well, we, we've seen that at our dealership. We, you remember, we had they have nicknames, <laughs> like the mayor. We have Magic Mike. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they do that. Yeah, we do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and they call themselves that the customers, so they remember. Anyway, I digress. Uh, we asked about the Broncos. He said... Uh, there was a wait list for them. People were waiting nearly a year to have the orders filled out. Raspberry said that somebody, someone recently canceled their order, and the newly available Bronco sold the same day. You better be sitting down for this one. Sit down, John. Yeah, sit down, John. $20,000 <laughs> over MSRP. Wow. You know, you think we're joking, folks? They pay it. Yeah. They pay it. Uh, I don't know what to say. I turned to my husband, I'm speaking in the first person, and said... The Bronco's out. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I told Raspberry that I'd like to see what the other SUVs he had in the high 30s to low 40s. He suggested we take a look at the Ford Edge. The two of us walked off to find an Edge while my husband hung back to look at what few trucks they had in stock. As we walked, I, I asked Raspberry what his inventory was look looking like. He laughed and said extremely low. We went into the parking garage uh, where there was a smattering of vehicles. I saw a white edge that I liked. It was loaded with a big glass sunroof, really nice wheels. The MSRP was 46220 no addendum, okay? I always say okay on that because 99% of the cars today carry an addendum sticker or a phony Monroni. But there was a green sticker that read upfront sales price, 44000 $470 upfront sales price. Now, is that true? Okay. Stick around. Stick around and find out. Raspberry apologized for the low selection and told me that getting a used car was the way to go after these, uh, these days. He said he had several comparable used SUVs he could show me. I said I wanted a new one. Raspberry suggested we go inside where we could get the keys and a license plate. On the way, he asked me for my driver's license offered me a bottle of water. I waited at his desk for 10 minutes and he got up to, uh, to go find him. You know, Agent Lightning, and I'm saying I'm not Agent Lightning, first person thing here, but she's she, very she doesn't, play, she doesn't play the waiting game. Uh, no, she's, uh, uh, she knows how much time she's got, time is money, and uh, blah, 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 and she doesn't like her time wasted. Uh, at any rate, uh, I walked outside where I expected he would pull up to the desk, uh, up to the escape, 
it was another 25 minutes before Resmere drove up to me, and Agent Lightning was not happy. Mm-hmm. He apologized, said the vehicle was on E, empty, and thought he should put some gas in it. And he should have, but he should have told her. I mean, you know, yeah. you don't keep somebody waiting for that length of time. Yeah. I told him how frustrated I was. I said I was on a tight schedule today, and now my afternoon was screwed up. I told him to forget about the test drive. He just showed me the numbers. Raspberry left the edge where it was. We returned to his desk. Raspberry began to explain how the low inventory had driven. I remember how Stu uses the word raspberry over and over again because he's like me. Well, he's I, fascinated by the name. Well, no, I think I'm using the appropriate smattering of pronouns in, in his <laughs> real name. But it's harder for you because I, I, I only have to type it. You have to say raspberry yeah, over and over again. That's true. All the same thing uh, uh, I, I've been told all over the east of the United States in the last four months about the fact that uh, we got a low inventory, high demand, low supply, microchip shortage. So, been there, done that. I know that's the story. And it's true. So, you know, you know it's how, how wonderful for a car salesman to have a true story. And that is true. He found a record. He'll uh, be telling this story for, for years. <laughs> yeah. It'll be 2027. Yeah, yeah, this inventory situation really sucks. Exactly. He found my uh, record on the computer. Asked if my contact information was up to date. We won't know if uh, I was financing or paying cash. I said I, pay, I said I plan to pay cash and uh, do plate or transfer, do. So there we go. Uh, we, uh, we're ready to go for the jugular. Uh, do we find out that we still got a good guy, a good dealer, or what we got? This is where the, where the hammer comes down. That's right. Raspberry went to get the sales figures. He was gone for eight minutes. Yeah, I'm an obsessive compulsive, and so is Agent Lightning. I mean, eight minutes. Pretty soon she'll be doing seconds. Eight minutes. I'm going to ask her to do seconds. Yeah. <laughs> the top line labeled price before discount was MSRP 46220 So, uh, that's the MSRP. That's a good price today. Then, $250 in savings came off. Whoa, we're coming down. Uh, $59 rebate. Okay. I'm making the price after rebates, 44470 the same upfront price that was written on the greed sticker that was on the car. So this car is actually advertised below MSRP. Mm-hmm. But they can't sell it for that, can they? The only thing added to the price was sales tax and $511 for tag and registration. Out the door, 42970 I'm tearing up. It's I'm tearing up. Very refreshing. I asked for a new SUV in the low 40s, and Raspberry delivered. Wow. I thanked him very much. I said I need to find my husband to discuss. I said I'd be back this weekend. There we are. And uh, we feared that they were still doing the nearly no dealer fee thing. Uh, I talked to the one of the sons of the founders of Mullinex about this store before, and the general manager he had in there had put in this uh, small dealer fee, and uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, we had some influence on them dropping that. I mean, why? You just don't want to say you don't have a dealer fee, and you do, and they don't anymore. So there we are. Uh, again, I'm, I'm overcome. And I He's throw it open to Earl's, votes. Earl's gavelling right now. He's, Gvelling, that's that's yeah, a, <laughs> the Yiddish term. <coughs> I laughed because <coughs> Jonathan Wellington 
posted his grade. But I, I, I want to appeal to Jonathan to reconsider. So Jonathan says, 20000 over MSRP, automatic F, plenty more dealerships to see. And, yeah, that was shocking, and I read that, and it kind of went contracting, uh, con- contrary to <laughs> what happened yesterday at the, at the dealership. But um, we got a Judge East Mystery Shopping report on the on Agent Lightning's experience, you know? I mean, just the, the guy he referred to a, a 20,000 over. That didn't happen yesterday, so uh, maybe reconsider. But uh, Mark uh, gives him a refreshing B+. And on Facebook, uh, we don't have any grades coming in, but um, I'm giving him an A. Certainly concur, Rick. Well, I've got Mark from St. Louis. A. Wow, great to hear this deal. I've got uh, Bro Scientist came in with, if I'm to be savage for thousands above MSRP, get me expensive wine, not bottled water. Cheapskate. <laughs> it pains me, but they got a good grade. B. They would have got an A if I'd gotten expensive wine instead of water. Uh, Tom, A minus, tag fees seem a bit higher than actual. And just Tom, quite often I know they estimate those. So those tag fees may actually come down a little bit, don't they? Uh, yeah. I was going to say um, it's on the high side, but usually at this stage it's, a, it's an estimate. And when they run it, because most dealers use a computer thing. Now, we don't know if they're going to add in any other. We don't know. We don't go in F&I. But uh, yeah. they calculate it exactly when you do the uh, at the time of delivering. It's probably going to be considerably less. Okay. And Wayne with a B plus. Mark Ryan says, A, seems like a good deal. I see. Well, first I want to thank uh, Agent Lightning, and what a great job oh, yeah. uh, she does week in and week out with her expertise and her street knowledge and her education. Uh, and she's able to maneuver her way around these uh, dealerships. Uh, so, Agent Lightning, my hat is off to you. As far as the grade is concerned, uh, it made me feel warm and fuzzy. I give an A. All right. Is everybody waiting for my score? We're waiting uh, we for your are. score. We have an A that came in from Martha on Facebook, but I think I know what your score. And we is got three be. minutes. My score is an A plus. Good for you. A plus. Because because that uh, we're on the curve, and that's the best shopping report I can ever remember. And maybe maybe there's one I missed, but if we don't get Mullinex score an A plus, we can't give anybody an A plus. Right. True. It's a curve. Let's go, everybody, today, go to Mullinex Ford and buy a Ford. And let's, give, let's give them a round of yeah. applause here. Yeah. Mullinex Ford, North Palm Beach. Okay. This is what we strive for. Right. Yes, and... Uh, I'm going there uh, to buy, I'm going to get a Bronco. Ah, uh, that's what I want. <laughs> Can I borrow 20 grand, Dad? <laughs> hey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We definitely enjoy your company, and we hope that uh, we helped you to maneuver around this volatile industry uh, that we're all a part of. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay tuned. Next week, we'll be right back here.